Uh, welcome back, Linka Podcast. Uh, today we have Greg Gaston on, and uh, I just want to say thank you for spending some your morning with us, man. I know your time is very important, and welcome. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure to be with you guys. Yeah, so um, so tell us how you got into um, like working for the Grizzlies, the Tigers, and all that stuff. Well, I started out in um, in the mid-80s. I graduated from the University of Maryland in 84, and I got a major and a degree in radio uh, broadcast, radio, television, and film. And um, I knew I eventually wanted to get into television, but figured I had to start in radio. So in 84, once I graduated, I went back home. I'm from South Jersey, from Atlantic City, New Jersey. Oh, okay. And I got my first radio gig, and it was doing overnights of just putting reel to reel tapes on of old news talk. It couldn't be more boring. And it was from midnight to 6am. So it hit like 4am in the morning and I'm like falling asleep. It was terrible, but I knew I had to start somewhere. And then I started um, while, while doing that, I started to um, help out the guy who was doing the sports show at six o'clock at night from six to eight, six to nine, whatever it was. And I got my foot in the door that way. And so then that went from, helping out there and doing that talk radio stuff to actually getting a, a radio sports gig about 45 minutes away from my home. I'd have to get up at three 15 in the morning Jeez. and that was tough too. But I knew again, I had to get my foot in the door. So I took that and somehow I parlayed that into, I put a tape together at the, at the local um, cable station. And I just sat in front of a television. I, I looked at some highlights that I had taped. It was so prehistoric compared to what we can do now. Yeah, I and I went ahead and I, yeah, so I went ahead and, and did basically a sports cast, ad-libbing it, put that together, sent it out, and lo and behold, I got a job in, in Maryland in television. That was my first TV gig in 85, and so I was the weekend sports anchor there, and I was the weekend sports anchor for about four months, and then the general manager came up to me and said, listen, I mean, this is when I found out how cutthroat and dog-eat-dog it was, this business that I'm in. They said, listen, we want to move you up to the main guy. And I said, I was very naive. I said, well, what about this other guy? He was, you know, what happens to him? He goes, he, we're firing him. We're moving you up. I go, well, I <laughs> Damn. Know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just like that. And I said, why well, don't, I said, I don't want to move. I don't want him to lose his job. And they said, well, let me tell you something, Gaston. If you don't want it, we'll find somebody else. So that's, that's when I realized, man, this is, this is tough. So I obviously I took the job and I was there doing television. I did some radio as well in Maryland for 10 years. Came here in 95 as the sports director of Channel 24 and 30 and started to dabble a little back into radio. And then I also became uh, a TV voice of the Tigers, where I would do a bunch of the television games for the Tigers in basketball. We do some in football. And then that branched out. I did that for 12 years. And then I became, then I went over to Fox 13 for five years. I did WKNO. I had my own Sports Files television show, which ran for seven years. In the meantime, I've always done radio over at Sports 56, and I've always done play-by-play. So I've had the fortune of being able to do games on Fox, ESPN, ESPN2, all those networks, and uh, never a steady, always an ad-lib thing, uh, excuse me, a a freelance thing. And I've been fortunate enough to do that many games to be able to sustain that while I got out of television news. I kind of got out of local television news about 10 years ago. But I still do all these games, whether they be live-streamed or television, so it's, I stayed busy, and Raul and I met. Of course, we met from from uh, V three and yeah. doing. I had done boxing for ten years before I even did MMA, and that was certainly a hoot. I always loved uh, to do 
those type of sports that are not always mainstream, basketball, football, baseball, but I love them as well. And so now I'm busy with uh, Memphis Tigers athletics. I do Tiger baseball on ESPN plus we'll have three games coming up this week. And we also live stream some of the games that aren't on ESPN plus I'm the sideline reporter for football, Memphis Tigers football on the radio network in the fall. And then in the winter, I still do the ESPN plus games on live stream on ESPN two for basketball, men's basketball. And then sometimes I'll do some women's games as well. So I stay really, really busy. The only time it's, it's slow is a little bit in the summer and that's about it. Have you always been into sports? Always really from a little bit on. I mean, that's all I went to. My, my father was a musician and he tried to get me to learn some of the um, like, like trumpets and, and clarinet and things like that. And I just, I'm luck, lucky for my sake that he didn't force me to do it. Yeah. Cause I, he was teaching my daughter, my daughter, he was teaching my sister drums. My, my father could play every instrument just about. And I said, no, nah, I, I want to do sports. I just fell in love with sports and I played everything. And I was a good athlete until I was probably 16. Mm-hmm. And then at 16, I realized at my size, there's only so much I can do. So I continued to play sports, but I knew that there wasn't going to be any career for me. But I always wanted to be a broadcaster, too. When I was young, I would do I would stand in front of the of the television. I would do my little tape recorder, press play and record and kind of do the play by play. So I can actually say that what I wanted to do as a kid turned out to be reality. I went to school for it. I started out, as I just told you guys, small venues, built it up. And then once I came to Memphis, I fell in love with the city. Yeah. So I decided I'm not going to move around anymore. I've been here 27 years now. So who is, would be like your idol as far as like a sports broadcaster? Well, it's a guy that you guys may never heard of. Maybe you have, but this guy was the voice of the Phillies. The Phillies were my team growing up. Philadelphia Phillies, Major League Baseball. The guy's name is Harry Callis. Mm-hmm. And Harry Callis became the voice of Notre Dame as well. He also is the... I'm sure you guys have seen NFL films. Yeah. Right. NFL films. And they used to in the in the old days, because it's right across the river from Philadelphia in Mount Laurel. And they used the voice of the newsman in Philadelphia, the most prominent news guy by the name of John Facenda. He has that voice, the frozen tundra of Lambo. That guy. Yeah, I've heard that. That's John Facenda, but he was a news guy. Well, he passed away. And so they needed the new voice. And Harry Callis became that voice. Mm-hmm. So Harry was the voice of NFL films after John passed away, the Phillies longtime Hall of Fame voice, and then he became the voice of Notre Dame. That was my idol. I mean, most people say it's, you know, some of the bigger names, but Harry to me was a big name and Harry is my idol. That's that's a reason why I really wanted to get into it and want and then stuck with yeah. it. Is um NFL films still even a thing because of the internet now? Yeah, they still do the same thing. In fact, Fun little story here. I was, and I don't know if, if Raul, you've ever heard this, but my fraternity, when I went to the University of Maryland, Sigma Chi fraternity, we were the guys that moved the Colts from Baltimore to Indianapolis. I don't know if you've ever heard of the story about the Colts being moved in the middle of the night with the Mayflower moving vans. They moved them to Indianapolis. My fraternity, we all worked part-time to make beer money and pizza money by working <laughs> Working for Mayflower. Yeah. So we won a week on the weekends. We'd work six hours on a Saturday, make a little bit of money. We would move like uh, bit, uh, offices in, in Washington, D.C. We would unload all the stuff, put it on the on the, uh, yeah. the van, let them go their merry way. Well, one night, our liaison between the fraternity and Mayflower came to all the brothers and said, listen, they have like this special assignment for us. They're not telling us what we're doing. 
They kept it in secrecy, but they said, you will, you're, you're getting double. It was either double or triple your salary. And we said, sign us up. So we got on the bus. It was at night, which was weird because normally it would be during the day on a Saturday. It was at night and they drove us up in a bus. To, we were going up Interstate 95 from College Park, Maryland, which is right outside D.C., and we're going toward Baltimore. And my favorite team, believe it or not, in football is the Colts. It wasn't the Eagles. Like, I like the Phillies. Oh. I love the Colts because I grew up with Johnny Unitas and all those guys. I love those. Lido Mitchell. So, um, in fact, right here is the Colts. Lido and Lido Mitchell autographs. So, I mean, I love these. These were my guys. But I know because I'm, I was in the sports that they were in the news about possibly being relocated. So once we started to drive, we got closer and we took an exit. It was an Owings Mills exit in Maryland. And that's where they trained. So I knew, and I said to the guys, guys, we are moving the Colts. Dang. And that's what we did. So we worked from midnight till 6 a.m. And we moved everything. We were moving the Lombardi trophy, you know, which they give to the Super Bowl yeah. champ. We, so we moved the Colts, put it all up in the Mayflower vans. Then the Mayflower van, you've probably seen some old film of them, the Mayflower vans moving, uh, rolling out of the gates with some of the fans there while it was snowing and the cameras were there from the local TV stations. So we we did that. So and, and anyway, I've been on probably numerous radio stations across the country when the anniversary hit. Every time there's an anniversary, they bring the story up again. And then there was the New York Times wrote a big story about this. And out of the five or six brothers they always bring on, they always bring on me, I guess, because of my broadcasting yeah. experience and profession. So just about four years ago, I think it was, it was about a year before COVID hit. So three or four years, whatever it was, they brought us back to College Park, Maryland, and they filmed uh, a special for NFL films. And it was Clarissa Thompson, who's uh, one of the Fox personalities, and she also works for NFL films. She was the one doing the interview. So we sat there and they took care of us and it was fantastic. And we did a special. They sent us all copies and things of that nature. But that was my my run with uh, with NFL films was having actually a documentary done about our fraternity house moving the Colts. That is it's awesome, an man. That's a good story. But like it's also like um, it. Oh, shit, I forgot what I was going to say. Man, the way they did that though with the with the move, I remember I remember reading that like in the commercial appeal here in town. I was like, "Whoa, they just moved this whole team in the middle of the night. What what is going on?" And I and then you know they opened up, and next thing you know, they finally got the Raven. And all, I mean, I was just like, "This is crazy. What is? It's a, did they run out of money or something?" Like, no, so Ursi got he wanted a new stadium. They wouldn't pay for the yeah. stadium. So Indianapolis was, hey, come on over here. We'll, we'll take care of that. So Ursay was uh, it's still, it's probably a four-letter word in, in Baltimore. Luckily for them, the um, the pain, the suffering calmed down when they did get the Ravens, right? Yeah. But there are some still so loyal to the Colts. The Colts are still my favorite team, not the Ravens. But again, I'm not a I'm not from Baltimore. So I can't put myself into the shoes of those people mm. who lost the franchise that was that story and have been around there for so long. But Ursay. He didn't care. And that's why they did it in the middle of the night, because if they did it today, this day and age, even in the middle of the night, tax, somebody's tax, the mm-hmm. word gets out. Yeah. The only reason why the, the uh, TV stations ended up there with cameras when the Mayflower vans rolled out and we rolled out in the bus was because somebody, one of the fraternity brothers of mine, got under a desk and called uh, 
one of the TV stations and told them what was happening. And I forget which one it was. They, there would never have been film. We've never had that history that documented. But one of my fraternity brothers did that. Had, I guess, the, uh, the gumption to be able to do that. And, and you know, again, you're not, you're not going to be caught more than likely. Whereas today, they know, they, you're texting, they know, they can, they can look back at tweets that are deleted, things of that nature. You can't get away with that kind of stuff now. But yeah. back then, you could actually do things in secrecy and get away with it. Unfortunately, they were going to know anyway that the team had moved, but Ursay was trying to get them out of there before there was any kind of negative press, but he got caught there at the end and it became a huge ordeal for years. Yeah, it's kind of like when the Raiders just left, you know, I was, I couldn't believe they were leaving. Yeah, but they've left like four or five yeah. times. But this time, like, I, I thought it was it, you know, and I, I think that's apparently, have you been in the new stadium out there in Las Vegas? No, I didn't. No, uh, but I want to go next time I go to Vegas, I want to go to maybe like do it around a football game or something and go to that stadium. But it's like, it's like, what was it like $4 billion or something like that? Like it's yeah, state it's, of the it's, art. It's a, and like, it, yeah. The only one I think right now that's, that costs more is SoFi where they had the Super Bowl this past year. Oh yeah. But this one in, in Vegas that Davis had built is, is a beautiful stadium. That, uh, you both, both, I assume, I know you have, Ronald, you, you got also time been out to Vegas. Yeah, I've been out there before. So you know where it's located. It's like it's just it's crazy because I haven't been back there since they built it, and I know it's like right behind where like Mandalay Bay is and all that. Mm-hmm. Oh, so is that it, close it, to the Strip? Yeah. Oh, it, I didn't know right, it was that close. Right there, it's like a it's like a block off the Strip, and to have this giant stadium right there is just hard for me to fathom. Yeah. So I can't go out there again too and see exactly where it's situated. Yeah, because you don't now. Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, Nashville, the Titans. They're fixing to probably build a new stadium for them. And, you know, I'm just thinking where the, f- you know, it's going to be like across from where the current one is like, where, like, you know, there's a river right there. Yeah. And, but like, <laughs> so like they're going to keep the one they play in right now. And then they're going to build another one, like adjacent somewhere to it. Like, I didn't know there was any more land over there. That's not already. And then they're, are they going to level the old one? I think so for the parking or something like that. Yeah, because they uh, they want to spend like like they they want to make it the best stadium ever apparently, and they'll get it. It's unreal that stadium the shelf life of stadiums now basically two decades. Yeah, that's it. Twenty 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 years goodbye. It's out of date. You got to get a new one, which is crazy to taxpayers. So we'll see how that works out with with Governor Lee in Tennessee and how they um, fund. That stadium, because if it's coming out of taxpayers' dollars, there's going to be a lot of irate people. It doesn't seem like Nissan Stadium is outdated, but you're right. Compared to the, the new Raider Stadium, mm-hmm. SoFi Stadium, a few others, it's night and day. Are they trying to make more domes, I guess? Well, that's what they want to do. So they want to make a dome a dome stadium. Yeah. That way they can get the Super Bowl. Oh, uh, okay. Will, will it be a dome in the sense of retractable Yeah, kind of like, kind of like uh, the, the Cowboys one, you know? Like how yeah. to close, like open and close. They kind of. They, I saw something. Like that. That's one of the rendings I saw, and then another one is just a like, complete dome. Like, hmm. but yeah, they want to do that so they can get the Super Bowl, and then you know we keep on building hotels here in Memphis so we can get the All Star Game. Because that's well, that was that, one of the. Th- oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're right, Raul. That's what they're trying to do. That would be fantastic one day to have the uh, th- to have the All Star Game. I wonder by the time. If it ever happens, 
will we still have FedEx Forum or will we be looking to subsidize a new arena? And if so, or if not, you know, what would be the deal with Robert Perra? Would you, There's always that talk about relocation, 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 but here they are. They've been here 20 years. I mean, for goodness sakes, they have uh, put roots in the ground. So hopefully that's that's not the case. But you're right. It would be it would be great. But right now we just don't have it. It's not just yeah. the amount of rooms. It's the amount of luxury rooms. It's not just going out there and putting up a Hampton Inn and adding up the rooms. Yeah. It's having luxury hotels. Now, we're, we're lucky that Hyatt has really stepped up. The Hyatt-centric, and they're building two more Hyatts right next to it. They're like cornering the market over in that area. We still have some some really nice ones. Obviously, you know the Peabody's historic, and but we need a we need a few more of those. And I I hate it when people bring up they go, well, there's hotel rooms down in Tunica, and there's a, nobody wants to be forty five minutes away. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's what's yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, that's I just, uh, that's one of the things that's like that's going to kill Tunica. You know, the hotel they're building over for the dock track. Yeah, like that whole thing is going to be like a a like a destination now. Like they're building that tall, big hotel. And then like inside, I'm sure they're going to have like a, like venues or something like you can like rent maybe for like, uh, like MMA fights or something, or, you know, Nick could do a CFRC fight there or something. It's going to kill Tunica. Tunica is on its last leg. I think, man. Yeah. The only, the only thing that right now Tunica has is the gaming because Southland doesn't have all live gaming they'll have a lot of like the machines yeah i'm talking about poker for crap so oh, they do okay. have some dealers but they don't have a ton of dealers whereas they do a tunica i some people like i don't like playing well i haven't played in a long time but i don't like playing the machines in the sense like if i'm gonna play craps i want to play craps i want to roll the dice yeah play real crap. i don't want to play the machines and i think southland has more of those but maybe that's changing too but you're absolutely right arkansas just passed uh, legalized sports gambling. So you're going to have that option. Now, I'm not sure if that's going to be also um, on an app like we have in Tennessee, mm-hmm. but that is definitely hurt Tunica, what we have in Tennessee. And I think that's what the deal is with Arkansas as well, that it would be on an app. But could you imagine if it was like a teller, like you would for a horse race or a dog race, and you can go up there and make sports gambling bets. And they build a big sports gambling room like they do in Vegas and Atlantic city. Well, that could be the death nail to Tunica. You're right about that. Tunica's got to figure out ways to entice people to come down there. Obviously, they have they have some pretty good restaurants and, and, and they have a couple of golf courses. But what it was going to be 15 years ago has not materialized into that. Yeah, I thought it was going to be much bigger. Well, also, like, apparently younger people aren't going to casinos like how we was used to go or like me for example i used to go a lot with my friends you know growing up and stuff like right. this new generation coming up they just don't go that much or if they do go they're not really spending any money they just drink well that's true yeah plus, and plus it's it's 40 minutes away it's not that long in the not that far in the scheme of things but if you're going to go down and drink and all that stuff you know unless you're staying over you don't want to drive back um, the other thing is casinos, especially those I'm from Atlantic city. So I know about all those casinos there. And of course, Vegas, they have a nightlife. Yeah. And even though you're right, maybe young, young <clears throat> people don't go out as much. They still a good club. They're still going to go to, and they just don't have clubs down there. And that's, that's they tried that for a little bit. Didn't they? Yeah. I remember they had the, 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 
hotel, I mean, the pool party at Hard Rock. But they had a club inside there at one time. Was it called Push or something? Or something, I don't remember. Yeah, and, like, we went to it, and there was just nothing going on. And, and like, oh, well, we were, good thing we were already down there. We we didn't just make the trip for that. But, like, like, there's a lot of shit going on in here. It was a cool-looking club, and it just didn't do nothing. I, I still think I still think the distance is has a lot to do with. It. For example, if we had casino gambling in Memphis and we had three or four casinos downtown and they had clubs in there, I guarantee you they'd be hopping. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. So they don't have that. Tunica just doesn't have that distance. Really, really hurts. So the Grizzlies are talking about leaving. It's no, no. It's always the conversation that they're contract with the city and the um is it the forum or something like that what that isn't it well the, they own the forum yeah they so own they the they but, had, they're, but they're yeah i think their their contract that they signed to be in memphis with the city uh runs out in 25 i'm doing this off the top of my head where there would be a limited penalty for them to leave. There's not, yeah, don't, I don't want to start any controversy, but that's always been in the back of people's minds. When the contract runs out, will that be renewed? Mm. And Paris seems to be committed to Memphis, although you never see him. He's never here, but he does put his money where his mouth is, uh, as opposed to Michael Heisley, who I liked, would come on my radio show an awful lot, Michael Heisley, and he would shoot from the hip. He wouldn't spend as much money. He was a little more frugal, but he was he he was here. You you saw the actual owner. Yeah. You, you don't see Robert Parra. And God forbid, he's not going to do radio. He's not going to do television. He's never with the local media, let alone national media. He's just not, that's not his, his thing. So there's always that sense. I think his home base is out in uh, Seattle. Um, obviously they're getting a team, but I don't know. It's uh, hopefully we've done enough right things in the city where they're going to be here for a long, long time, but it's always in the back of people's minds. What happens when the contract runs out? Are they going to renew? I think they will, but you know, there may be things that are asked uh, of the city for the next contract. Yeah. I think like if they do decide to leave that another team from somewhere else would like, Hey, we'll, we'll come to Memphis. You know, like, I think we'll always have some kind of NBA franchise in Memphis. I hope, look, we have, we've proven ourselves to the association, to the country, that we are an NBA. We are a basketball city. Everybody knows we're a basketball city, but we are an NBA city that we can sustain an NBA franchise, that we can support an NBA franchise. So, I, yeah, I, I hope that for years and years and years and years to come, it's the Grizzlies. And you're right, Raul, if it was somebody else, that would be great, too, but it has meant so much to the city because we are not a large city where we're going to have the big three or the big four. If you include the NHL, yeah, we're, we're going to have one and, and Nashville's got everything. So, you know, we don't, we don't want Nashville stealing our NBA team too. They have everything <laughs> else. So yeah. Leave the NBA basketball to us. Cause isn't Nashville fixing to like, didn't they have, um, turn some paperwork or whatever it's called to try to get a franchise, baseball franchise. And yes, yeah, see, so I'm sure they'll get that, and they'll have everything but basketball. So where would they yeah, have they that are, stadium? At? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'll play in the new stadium as, if it's the dome. Uh, like well, they'll, they'll they spend like water. They spend money like water. I don't know if they want to do, you know, the, the the baseball football dome stuff. Just was like the old Minnesota, and then the yeah, old, 
Tampa Bay still so so old. They used that for for a while. Of course, they built Buccaneer Stadium, so Tampa Bay moved out of that quickly. But the um, it's outdated those those type of stadiums where it's multi uh, multi sport. I grew up in. South Jersey, we go to Philadelphia. It wasn't a dome stadium, but the Eagles and the Philly and the Phillies were playing the same stadium. Mm. Uh, Steelers and the Pirates were playing the same stadium. Reds and the Bengals would play in the state, same stadium. Now you get your separate stadiums. Yeah. So Nashville will have a stadium. They'll have a stadium. They'll have a major league baseball team. That's there's no question they'll have that. They obviously have the MLS, they have the NFL, they have the NHL, all these stadiums. The money's there. Yeah. God forbid one day, years from now, they try to uh try to pluck our NBA team from us. That That's fighting words right there. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, where are they going to keep on building all this stuff in Nashville? Like, you know, I saw a post my friend made the other day and he's been in, you know, they live like in Columbia, Tennessee or something like that. And right. his house has now like quadrupled in value, even though he's so far from Nashville, just because in the vicinity wow. of it, you know, like I'm like, damn man, he's just like, what are we supposed to do when they try to, you know, build all these big things around us and stuff. Like, I don't, I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe this, maybe the, the metropolitan part of the city expands. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden those suburbs that were way out there become really part of the whole, well, they're part of the metro area, but they become part of the, the actual city itself. Yeah. Like could, could Nashville get so big one day where they swallow up and I don't know how close Columbia is in those places, but yeah. you know, the place to talk about in the, the outliers could be swallowed up into the city. I, I don't know. Maybe that's a possibility. You know, cities will start to grow so much. They're like, like an amoeba and they start to pull in everything else from around them. Did you, when you were growing up, did you think sports would be as big as they are now, as far as the money that people are making or spending on these buildings and shit? Nah, no, no way. I, I, I didn't pay. I'll be honest. I didn't pay too much attention to salaries, but once I was old enough to realize what players made, and you thought, wow, they made this much money, you know, what sixty thousand dollars a year? It's like, oh my god, they're they're building, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hell, for playing baseball, it's just. But then I remember when the first million dollar deal was was given, a one year million dollar deal. I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Reggie Jackson or whoever it was. And you thought, holy smokes! And then and then and you fast forward to now, and you go. It's not even an issue to give an NFL guy forty-five million a year. Yeah, yeah. And people go, "What about inflation?" I said, Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't give, don't give me inflation about that stuff. I mean, that's just crazy talk. Going from like making a hundred G's to making forty-five million. Yeah. yeah Be- it, because you know, in NFL, you can only sign the team can only sign. What? I'm, I'm, tell me if I'm wrong about this. The team can only sign their draft pick to a three-year deal in the beginning and then they can do another deal after the first three years or something like that. Yeah, like there's that. a rookie. Stick. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, the rookies in their, in their rookie, um, in their, in their, their rookie uh, window, right? Mm-hmm. Once that window, which is three years is done. Now all bets are off, but they, they have a rookie scale on how much you make, depending on where you get drafted. Yeah. So there's only so much, there's only so much you can make. That's why you go, wow. You know, Joe Burrow only made that much or, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, the, the quarterback Herbert out there in the chart, he, you know, what a great year. He only made that much. Yeah, because these, these guys are still on their rookie contract. Wait till the next contract. Right. Just like John, John Morant now got a lot of money because he was the second pick overall. So there's also the, the NBA rookie scale. But that next contract he gets oh, man. is going to be crazy. And remember that the Grizzlies will be able to pay more 
that the other teams will. And that's the case with anybody who has their player. They can pay more. They're trying to keep players from moving around so much, but now that's become commonplace. Yeah. But if you can own more, there's more of a chance that that player stays with your organization. Was that Zion guy the guy that went before that, John Morant? Was that the same yeah. year? Mm-hmm. So yes. is he a bust? Oh, man. <sighs> um, he's always hard. Or is he not as good as, like, like he's not hyped up, or he was hyped up more than he actually actually became? Or is there still the, time for him to grow? No, there's there's still time for him to grow. It's a great question. The, the hype machine, I think, was warranted. He was that good. Mm-hmm. Every, every NBA team that got the first pick, including the Grizzlies, whoever got that first pick was taking Zion Williamson. He's not a bust yet because he's on the comeback trail, supposedly. I've seen videotape of him rehabbing. If he goes out there and gets hurt again or just never materializes, then he will go down as one of the biggest flops ever, ever in any sport. But it's too early because he's he's rehabbing. He's looking better. He's got to slim down. You, you can't be as big as he is and as explosive as he is. It's going to do some damage on those feet. It's going to do some damage on the legs. And I, I hope for his sake that he's, he's okay, that he's healthy. It'll be a really good competition between the Grizzlies and the Pelicans moving forward. Mm-hmm. Because if you add a healthy Zion to Brandon Ingram and all the guys they have in New Orleans, they're a good young team like the Grizzlies and like Minnesota is. So kind of that uh, – I-55 quarter there from New Orleans all the way up to Minnesota. You got these these really good young basketball teams. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't pencil him right now, but he unfortunately is on that trajectory. Of is he going to be one. like Sam Bowie? <laughs> no, you know what he might end up if he keeps on getting hurt? He's going to end up like Greg Oden, like just never got the opportunity to play because his body keeps on failing him. Yeah. You know, he he, he, yeah. he he's foot. It was his foot, right? Something like a in something yeah. with his toe or something. Keep on breaking. Well, on that him. was the thing with Odin. Odin was his foot. Bowie was his foot, I believe. Um, I'm surprised there's not even more foot injuries with with NBA players as as hard as they run and high as they jump and come down on those little you know feet. Yeah, with the little bones in there. But uh, yeah, Bowie's uh, interesting. You bring up Bowie it was because obviously that's the Michael Jordan draft. Yeah, where, where Bowie was taken first, Jordan. Was taken? Was he taken third? It was third. Yeah, yeah. Was Drexler second? I think I, yeah, yeah. Second. Clyde, yeah, they took Clyde to, to Portland second. Yeah, and then the Odin thing was just uh, that was the Durant. Was that the Durant draft too? Oh man, was that Durant <sighs> draft. But Odin, uh, I thought Odin was going to be a really good NBA player, and obviously the injuries curtailed that. So hopefully, hopefully for the sake of Zion, he'll be able to come back. But if he's ever back at a hundred percent. He's going to be really, really good. That's why we can't put the bus label on just yet. Yeah. So how did the Grizzlies and who's the architect for the Grizzlies, man? Because he, I mean, whoever it is, they didn't, they've done a really good job. They did, They just became good. All, like, boom, they're good. The guy's name is Zach Kleiman. And Zach Kleiman is a friend and a confidant of Robert Perra, the owner. Mm. And when he took over, Chris Wallace was was shown the door. Yeah, Zach Kleiman took over, and we all wondered how good can Zach Kleiman be? He doesn't have a lot of experience. He's very very young, sort of raw. What is he going to be able to do? He surrounded himself with some some good basketball people, including Tayshawn Prince, who once played for the Grizzlies out of Kentucky, and other guys that are in the front office, people that are 
known and other people that really people have no idea who they are guys around the world, like, because you're, you're always scouring everywhere around the world for these players and they have just nailed it. They, everything they touch turns to gold, knock on wood. These guys are just, they're, they're, they're the way they analyze the way they look at the, the, their scouting system, everything's paying off. So it's, it's a guy named Zach Kleiman. Uh, Jason Wexler is the guy who kind of runs the basketball ops, but Wexler is the guy who makes the decisions for basketball personnel. And again, what he's doing is, is pretty phenomenal. There's a chance this year when it's all said and done that the Grizzlies win a lot of postseason awards. Executive of the year with Clyde. Oh, nice. Kevin, Taylor Jenkins could be coach of the year. Josh certainly in the MVP running. He probably won't because he's now going to miss about 25, 26 games before it's said and done. But he's certainly a candidate. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a candidate for defensive player of the year. Uh, Desmond Bain for the most improved, although a lot of people say Ja is in that category as well. I, I know he's turned into a superstar, but he was pretty good last year too. So there could be a lot of postseason awards for the Grizzlies, and rightly so. Do you see? Um, excuse me. Do you see a championship coming anytime soon to the Grizzlies? Well, I would have said probably three months ago if you asked me. I said, nah, no chance. Mm-hmm. Now I look at it and go. Let's, let's not even think about the, the immediate future. Let's think about now. There are teams out there that are struggling because of injuries, and the Grizzlies can take advantage of those teams. Mm. The Lakers have struggled with Anthony Davis out. They're getting old. The Clippers have been without Paul George, who they get back, but Kawhi Leonard, who they probably won't get back. Uh, the Nets have had their own problems with Kyrie Irving with the whole COVID deal in New York yeah. City. So, so why not take advantage of it now? Don't even think about who they can get in the offseason, that they're going to have more than likely three first-round draft picks. Yes, the future looks bright, but the but the present looks bright. Mm. So why not now? Uh, if Phoenix looks like the team to beat in the West, but the Grizzlies have the second-best record in the NBA. Second-best, <laughs> not just so the wild. West. They're, they're clinching the, the, the Southwest division for the first time ever. They've never been a division champion. They're going to be a division champion. Now they're clinched last night or their next win. They will clinch. They're going to be the division champs. They're doing things they haven't done before. They're up to 52 wins. So I'm not sitting here on this podcast and saying they're going to win an NBA title this year. But I'll tell you what, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. And nobody should be surprised with whatever happens to the Grizzlies right now because they are playing unbelievable basketball without their star. Yeah, they're 17 2 without John. 17 and 2. That's insane. Your superstars out and you have a win record like that, you know, like, so are, are the Lakers done or as far I as like they, LeBron? I think they are. I, I just don't see them being able to resurrect what they need to, to be competitive. Yeah. Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook's done. So yeah. they tried that experiment to bring Russell Westbrook in. And it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. So, you know, there's something to say if Anthony Davis comes back, he's healthy for the postseason. Could they make a run? Maybe. I mean, Davis makes them that much better, but and and LeBron James hasn't slowed down. But I still, I think they're done. Mm. Who do you? So, what do you? What is your thoughts about the super teams that like LeBron has pretty much created? Yeah, I at first I I hated it. I really did. Yeah, but now it's just part of the fabric of of the league. It, it happens all the time now, and I think you need multiple superstars to win. 
So they're going to catch, some people will catch flack. They don't care. When Katie went to Golden State, he caught flack, right? Yeah. Couldn't do it on your own. You had to go, uh, go combine with Steph Curry. Well, so what? Whatever it takes. Again, I didn't like it when it first happened. I like, I really do appreciate athletes who stay with their same organization it's for the so, life of their organization. It's so rare, though, now. It's very, we had Dirk Nowitzki who just retired there a mm-hmm. few years ago, right? What, last year, the year before. There's not that many. There's not that many at all, but I really appreciate those who do that. But in this day and age, I realize that it's a business. They, they want championships. When they've already made their money, now they want titles. Mm. So how are they going to win that title? Well, they probably have to combine with another superstar. Yeah. It's kind of like how, uh, <clears throat> so I'm a Chiefs fan. It's kind of like how Tyreek Hill went down to Miami for, you know, the four-year, $120 million, $73 million guaranteed. You know, and someone, so I'm, 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 I'm in a lot of groups on Facebook that like the fan pages, you know, whatever. And it was like, right. oh, f- fuck him. He took the money and ran, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, man, it's a business like you just got done saying. Like, why would you not want the best for your family, your kid's family, your kid's kid's family? You know, if he if he hits everything that he's going to make, which I'm pretty sure he's going to hit all his incentives, he's going to get 120, you know? Why would you not? Go and take that. You've won a championship in, in, with the Chiefs. You know you've you've done you've had you have something that every NFL player dreams of. Every child that plays football dreams of. You've already done it. So for people to always say, "Oh no, that's wrong. He shouldn't do that. This and that." Man, we got eleven picks in this draft in at the end of the month. Eleven. We got two first round picks. You know, it's like a. At the end of the day, it's all a business. This, you know, everything, everyone, he has to do what's best for him. And I'm not, and, and that's fine. I just because, hate, fan, because fans are selfish, right? Yeah. Fans want, they want five <laughs> titles. They don't want one title. Uh, he, he did it the right way. It does not appear that there's any animosity. Mm-mm. He leads with good relationships with his fellow chiefs and the front office and the ownership. He wants to be the highest paid wide receiver. Miami's able to offer him that. Why not? I mean, again, I don't, I don't have any problems. He proved his worth in Kansas City and then some helped lead him to a Super Bowl title, like you said. But you know, fans are, they're fickle. You know, now they're going to hate him, right? Yeah. If, if Miami comes and plays Kansas City at Arrowhead, they'll probably, they'll probably boo him. They should be applauding him. They should be standing and applauding him. And some will boo him because that's the way people are. If, if it was Philadelphia, they would boo him. I guarantee you that. Yeah. But, Kansas City, maybe the Heartland, maybe they're a little bit nicer, but yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with what he did at all, uh, at all. What do you think about the Tom Brady coming back? Uh, that floored me. I thought he, <laughs> <laughs> he spent two months with his kids. He was like, I, I, I gotta go back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, made it sound like, look, I, you know, I, I've done everything, which he did. I, I've done everything. He doesn't have to prove anything. But I want to spend time with my family. I want to look into different endeavors and mm-hmm. other facets of, of life. I want to spend more time with my oh, wife. Excuse me. Lasted, you're right. It lasted two months. So I don't know what happened if he said, you know, honey, I'm just, I, I think I made a mistake. Okay, go ahead, Tommy. Go go play. Or, or what? Like, what happened there where? You're saying you want to spend more time with your family and do other things to, nah, I guess I don't want to spend more time with my family. I want to keep playing. You think it's his ego is too big? Probably some of that. Yeah. Because I mean, look at the numbers he put up last year. I mean, he, 
I, I I love Tom Brady. Don't get me wrong. Diehard Chase fan. Joe Montana's number one, right, forever. But he's the best to do it ever. Like, and he's 40, he's going to be 45 this year, right? Or something like that. Right. Or he is 45, whatever. 45. I think he's going to be 45, in, I want to say, in August. Yeah, and he's going to come out opening day. He's going to probably have three, four touchdowns, 300 yards. You know, he's going to have a great season, not just an average season. He'll probably be one of the top five quarterbacks again. Right. If he can still do it and wants to do it, freaking go out there and get that. It's not even about the money probably for him because, you know, whatever he wants to do, because he, he, he restructured his deal so many times to keep players around him that it's not about the money. Anybody that says that is just ignorant. They don't pay attention to anything sports related. And, you know, especially in New England, dude, he was making at one year, he only made like 14, like we say only, but like, you know, for NFL quarterbacks, it's not much, but like 14 million and they won the Super Bowl that year. You know, it's like, but um, yeah, I I think he'll probably play another two. If he wins the Super Bowl this year, I can definitely see him hanging it up. He's like, you know what? I don't need to come back anymore. This is it. Maybe he's bitter that he lost that playoff game. He may be. And and who might have what he, what this guy should do in his life, and Rebel, you're absolutely right. This, this is not about this is not about the money between him and Giselle. They have more money than sin. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's I think he, it's two things. It may be he didn't like the way it ended. Number two, he always said he was going to play till he was 45. He's not yet officially 45, and he probably misses what you were saying, Don, about the competitiveness, yeah, the camaraderie, being around the guys, the off season workouts, just. Being a dude, he went away for a couple of months and said, no, I think I made a mistake. It was probably premature leaving. But I can't imagine past, much past this next season, right? But every time we doubt the guy, then he comes back and plays again. So I think a lot of it has to do with that. The fact that he said 45, he's still physically able to do it. He was great, like you said, with the stats, top five quarterback statistically. So let's go ahead and run it back at age 45. Did you did you see that um my there's something about Miami trying to trade my tra- ask to trade for him or something like that? Have you heard about that? I I heard some some rumblings, but that that's not happening. Yeah, I, I don't. They were, I, they were trying to talk him into they were trying to talk him into like coming back, and then they would have to actually trade through Tampa to get him. But that that was just a rumor out there. I mean, t- he was coming back to Tampa. If, if he was coming back at all, he was coming back to Tampa, which obviously he did. Yeah, and then you're back to the Terry Hill thing. the The Chiefs signed um, what's the pa- Packers receiver? Devontae. Abbott. Yeah, he's just as fast. You know, he's just he's just as fast as him. So we gave up one speedster for another speedster. You know, and it's just like we're gonna have the players. We're gonna you know we're gonna be in title contention again. It's not the end of the world when people leave. I'm saying that now, but when I was a kid. And the Chiefs cut Joe Montana. I mean, the 49ers cut Joe Montana. I thought my life was over and I was going to die, right? <laughs> but, like, I mean, I just that's why I'm a Chiefs fan now because, you know, he, he played his last two years as a Chief. And, you know, I was like, fuck the 49ers. Ah, I hate them, this and that. And, you know, it's a business, you know, just like everything else is a business. The, the teams have to make money to pay the, the players, you know, and if the players aren't the rich ones. It's the owners that are rich because they're paying you 450. What it was Mahomes contract, like 450 for five years or something like that. Like, look, and, and every, and let me correct myself too. Devonte Adams actually went to the Raiders because he's oh, up okay. with Derek Carr, his old college team. So I'm trying to think who the chiefs just got. Cause I know we have Juju 
And then we have one more with, uh, from the Packers. Yeah, I forget the name. Oh, I know who they got. I know who they got. They got um, Valdez. Um, what's this? Scantling, the guy from Green Bay. Yeah. Not Adams, who's also from Green Bay. They just signed him yesterday, I think it was. Um, but Adams, yeah, Adams went to the uh, to the Raiders to hook up with Derek Carr. They play together at Fresno State. But yeah, you're absolutely right. What you said. The problem is the one or two franchises in every sport that doesn't want to keep up with the Joneses. They don't want to spend that type of money that you have to spend a minimum amount of money on salaries, but they will, they will spend the minimum. And that's yeah. why they're so big. Why you have these, these teams just look every year that are at, at the bottom. Now there are some in sports over the years that have one, like the Marlins, the Marlins are a perfect example. I remember that. Spend their money, win a world series title, then have a fire sale sell all the guys off, get that money back, have five, six bad years again, do it again. They did it twice. They won two World Series titles, and all those other years, they have not even been a factor. So there are there are teams like that every single year that are just at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really bad in baseball with, the, with the, t- the owners not spending money, and it's just, you know, really? not putting anything out there. I saw, I forget who, I saw this the other day, um, somebody tweeted this, like, you know, it's, why would you want to go play for a team where they not even, they don't even care if they have a baseball team. They just have one because it's money for the, for the owner, you know, like, because they're not spending shit, you know, like. It's only, it's only for those players that haven't really had the big contract yet. And they're getting a decent contract to be the guy in Pittsburgh or in Baltimore. Some of these bad uh, right now, franchises aren't spending money, but have had great history. Pirates have had great history. Yeah. So the Orioles. Now they have been in a rut for two decades. So that those players you're talking to, talking about, referring to, are probably players that haven't made a ton of money. They can be the guy in Pittsburgh or Baltimore, so they'll go. They'd rather go to a uh, to a team that has a chance to win it, but they may not have a choice. So that's why you'll have some some of those guys that end up, and usually those guys will be traded at the trade deadline. To a competitive team. Yeah. They'll make back some of their money. But that's what has to be really frustrating for fans of those cities when they know that the ownership that they currently have is not willing to put the money in to be competitive. Because, you know, like, except for the Marlins, like you just said, uh, Tampa Bay, you know, uh, back in the, like, when they first got their franchise, they didn't spend any money, remember? Like, it was like, I was like, man, what is going on? Like, they just... But now they spend. But now they spend it, even though they don't spend a crazy amount. And mm-hmm. you're, and they're very, very good. They're a very good team. Yeah. Didn't years now. the Marlins beat the Yankees one year, right? Yes, they did. And who was the other team? I can't. Remember. I don't know, but they won two, and they had. And then after, right after they won the World Series, big old fire sale. Sold those players. They would get the players. They would have the World Series title. They'd have their parade. They'd be selling those players like the next week. What do you think about um, the NI? Uh, excuse me, NIL deals. I love them. Oh, NIL for yeah. uh, for college athletes? Yeah. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I think... Fantastic. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, listen, for those who believe that these college athletes should get salary, then, then we're barking up the wrong tree. Because now you're talking salary, you're talking IRS, you're talking all kinds of things, you're making employees. No, we don't want to go down that road. But to give these student athletes a chance to make money because of who they are from their name, image, and likeness, 
who are we to keep him back from hold him back from doing that? Now, yes, the NCAA should have put parameters in place when they finally agreed to do this because it is a wild, wild west mentality out there. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going on. Like I know with Memphis, they're some of these guys are making really good money. I don't know where it's all coming from. I know the school can't be connected to it. So there's a lot of things that are a little, I'm not talking about with Memphis, but a little bit shaky and shady. But yet the the whole the, the whole thing is that it's now not in a brown paper bag handed to an athlete. You're right. It's not some kind of like dark alley. Here you go. Now you can actually make money above board, legal, whether it be a million dollars or whether it be five thousand dollars. And I think that's great because the schools, the NCAA have made money off these athletes for many, many, many years. Yeah. You know, I just saw this the um the other day, or I think it was this morning. In 2019, the last one before pandemic started, you know, the uh, uh March Madness, NCAA made almost a billion dollars in that from that tournament. A billion dollars. And you know, Jeez. yeah. And nobody gets any of that money but you know, the NCAA. Because how they how they have the 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 system. Well, the school the schools get get certain they certainly get some money, but not not that type of money. You're right. No. The NCAA is is the beneficiary of that. But now, and that's why they were so reluctant to have the players get a part of the pie. But isn't it right that the players get a part of the pie? I, I let's not treat them like professionals, but they're kind of in that middle now between amateur and professional. Yeah. They're not quite professional. No longer amateurs because they can make money. They're right in the middle. It's like the guy. Um, you'll you'll know who it is. I, I I don't know. I don't know who it is. The the college football college football player that signed the eight million dollar deal. Yeah, like it's the, the, well, he, he, yeah. The, you're talking about the ten the Tennessee kid. Yeah. The, okay, so obviously he hasn't signed anything because remember this isn't it, nothing goes through the school, but the kid. Nico, I'm going to have to uh, – I really need to look at his name to pronounce it correctly, but he's a quarterback out of, uh, I think, the Long Beach area, maybe Long Beach Poly out in uh, California. And he is supposedly the one-in-the-generation one type quarterback, right? You always hear about that. So, reportedly, there has been NIL deals set up with this guy through different companies, which I don't know which companies, that would pay this kid $2 million a year while he's at the school. And you have to stay three, yeah. So that that's that's six mil right there. If if it's if the reports are accurate, but that kid all of a sudden is coming from California to Tennessee. Good for Tennessee, yeah. And the thing is, what influence? That's to know now. If you tie the school to it, it's illegal, right? But what influence at the school? Or, you know, the booster come. Hey, we'll pump this money for this kid. Let's get him over here. And that's where the shady greatness is going to be exposed eventually on the, all these deals. I think. Right. The, right. The school can't come out and, and offer. You're right. right. The, the school can't call up the, the company and say, Hey, let's go ahead and offer this kid this much money. And blah, 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 blah. They can't do that. But the booster who happens to own this company, there you go. And normally gives to the school, right. A lot of money will now give directly to the kid to do whatever it is that they do for the company. Sometimes you'll see these kids do commercials. Other times they'll just maybe make appearances. Sometimes it'll be signing autographs on, on footballs or whatever the case may be. So there's no parameters. Like I said, there's no limitations so they can do that, but don't think that it's not happening here in Memphis too. It certainly is. I can guarantee you that 
We, you know, Dern had was making some good money with his NIL. I'm sure Imani Bates is making good money with his NIL. Others are probably doing that as well. Now, there, of course, there's a lot of other student athletes that either don't have an NIL deal or it's very minimal. In fact, most of the athletes, it's a minimal deal if they have one. Yeah. But there are the rules with the big names being able to, to rake in some pretty good cash. Because, and yeah. that, makes it, that makes the role a lot easier for the school to retain these players Unless they're top 10 or first round definite NBA pick, they may stay that extra year as opposed to going to the G League and making 35,000, 40,000, whatever they pay there. They may stay another year in college and make 100,000 or yeah. more with the NIL deal. So it's more to keep them playing at the college level, you say? More than likely. Yeah, yeah again, the school can't offer anything, but if the kid's got an NIL deal and he's making three times as much as he would make playing in the G League, mm -hmm. he could easily stay in college. Now, again, yeah. if he's going to Galen Duran, who's going to be a top 10 NBA pick, he's going to the NBA. But for other guys, they have a choice to make now. Do I want to go? Do I want to start my pro career, go up against uh, men and make 50000 Or do I want to play another year in college, have fun, maybe go to the NCAA tournament, make $100,000? Mm -hmm. Not all those players are in that boat, but some of them are. Yeah. Because I saw one of the guys from Memphis got signed by VaynerMedia, which is Gary uh, Vaynerchuk's oh. organization. So I'm sure he's making good money <clears throat> with all his endorsements or whatever. Well, and then um, Adidas is signed probably for like a minimum deal. They just signed 50,000 student athletes. Wow. Yeah. So that's, right. I mean, that's, that's big. Like It's kind of like most of these deals, like you just said, are going to be in sports that people watch, right? You're not, they're not going to be like, you're not going to have a fencer making a million dollar NIL, you know, whatever it is, you know, like the only, the only time you're going to see that is now there have been, there have been, um, NIL deals signed with like a female volleyball player mm -hmm. who has an Instagram following of 3 yeah. million people. Mm -hmm. And because they're influencers, they go ahead and they do get an NIL deal with that particular player. So there are athletes from other sports that actually do have good deals. But, yeah, it's more commonplace to have a deal with a football player or a basketball player because of the exposure. What is going on with Memphis basketball? I just saw the big news yesterday. I know you would know. Yeah, this, is, uh, this was news that came out yesterday, but it's news that the school has apparently known for months, going back to the summer. Mm -hmm. Finally, the uh, commercial appeal in the Daily Memphis, you know, it asked for – the uh, NOA, which is the findings from the IARP, which was the uh, subsidiary, I guess you would say, of the NCAA that was looking into the issues with the University of Memphis. So they had an open, uh, I guess, the open records law where they can ask for these open records. And they finally, the university finally released them yesterday, Saturday. And so it alleges Memphis has had major violations with their athletic department and their sports programs, but basically in basketball, including some level one allegations, which are the highest and multiple mm -hmm. level twos as well. And it goes back to not only with James Wiseman and that situation, but they've also looked back in the history of the basketball program, which I don't understand why, but they brought up allegations from the past going way back to 85. Wow. I, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why they're looking back at, at the history to try to strengthen their case. But the bottom line is this. The, the allegations, the NOA, 
which is the notice of allegations, was sent out. Memphis has had it for a long time. Memphis has responded. Uh, we don't know everything that they've sent in the response. I heard it was a very lengthy response that they sent back to them. And uh, dribs and drabs of it have come out. They're in the Daily Memphian, the commercial PO, if you want to look that up. But the problem is, is when the, when the IARP announces the penalties, there is no process to appeal. You've given up your ability to appeal by going to the IARP. And that's what Memphis decided they wanted. They wanted the IARP, not the NCAA, to look at their case. They have different eyes looking at their case. So some of the allegations are, as I said, level ones are serious, including the lack of institutional control. What it all means, we'll, we'll, we'll find out soon. But I, I would have to think, I would have to think that Memphis is going to be levied a postseason ban for next year. I don't believe they'll give the show cause to Penny Hardaway. I could be wrong about that. There will probably be a loss of a scholarship or so. This is, uh, this is pretty serious stuff. Now, here in Memphis, as you guys know, uh, most people think that it's the NCAA out to get Memphis. Yeah, There's always somebody out to get us, right? <laughs> but when Penny Hardaway played James Wiseman in that particular game after the NCAA said that you'd be playing, it, uh, playing a player that's ineligible, and that was actually one of the games I was broadcasting, too. It was just huge news that they were defying what the NCAA had warned them about because they, they were back in Wiseman. They were back in that they felt they did it right. So Penny decided that he was going to play. The school, the administration, backed Penny. And remember, that was when Laird Beach had just taken over, basically, as the athletics director. So they were all in agreement to play him. And he played one game. And then I think after that, they decided that they weren't going to play it. But the damage was already done. Mm. They already basically said, screw you, NCAA, we're playing this guy. So they go back and look at that. Now, with the James Wiseman situation, it goes all the way back to when Penny was the coach at East High School and had his AAU program, and he gave a million dollars to what, what is now the Penny Hardaway, the Anthony Penny Hardaway uh, Hall of Fame over on the campus. So they're trying they, – tried to lump Penny as a booster before he was ever the head coach at Memphis. And if you're a booster, you can't give money to help out a student athlete that now will become part of your team, which he did. James Wiseman came to Memphis. So they were trying to dot the I's and connect everything to, to Penny Wiseman, that relationship. And therefore when he took over head, as head coach, that's the reason he brought Wiseman in because they gave his mother money to make the move from Nashville to Memphis. So, by the way, apologies for my stuffy nose here. I've been stuffy for two days now. But so while they investigated that, they started to look at other things as well. And that's why there have been multiple, uh, multiple level one and level two penalties that have been levied at Memphis. It's a complicated case, but we now got a little bit more understanding of where we are. And so now it's just a matter of finding out what they will decide to do for penalties. Because again, you cannot. Uh, you cannot challenge it, right? You, you can't appeal the thing. So whatever they say, you have to stick with it. What will it mean in the long run? I, again, I don't think it will affect Penny. I don't believe so. Uh, I, even if they have a show cause on them, I, I don't know if, if they would fire Penny. I don't think they would. But I do believe they're going to get a postseason ban. I'd be surprised if they did not. So that that's a long-winded answer to your question because it's a complicated question and we mm -hmm. don't have all the answers. 
Well, you know, Petty was helping Desmond run the AU program well, at East, remember? And when Desmond yes. got cancer, he was like, man, I got to step down. Do you want to take this over? That's why, that, you know, and then I guess that's why I all started with Wiseman and stuff. Because those kids that were on the team, they always just come to my store. And we'd always just see them and stuff like that when we had a store in Big Hampton. Like, and, you know, we'd always see, we see Penny a lot in the neighborhood again, because that's where he's from, you know? And I, I just think it's bullshit that they're trying to link it, that Wiseman came to Memphis because of, you know, of of Penny's quote unquote involvement with his mom and helping her and this and that, you know, it's kind of, kind of doing, they're kind of doing like what they did with Michael Orr in the NFL. Remember when he went to Ole yeah. Miss, that's kind yeah. of what, it, this is kind of what it reminds me with the, um, with the, uh, Wiseman thing. Well, I, I think, I think it's BS and I get, I get people that argue this with me, but, um, uh, I think it's BS that they go back to, when he gave the million dollars to the school as a big supporter of the school, as an alum, a guy who has money to help out the school gives the million dollars. And then years later he becomes the head coach. And so they try to link that together. So so now that everything he had done up until that point, he's connected as a booster. So now as the head coach, he was once a booster. So when he gave money to kids, he was influencing them to come to Memphis way before he was even the head coach, before it was even thought of as the, as him being the head coach. If Tubby, if it had worked out with Tubby Smith, he'd still be the head coach. So I don't understand why they consider Penny the booster and then everything he did with those players benefits him as a recruiter to bring them to the school. That I don't buy. The defying the, the NCAA by playing Wiseman, that you can't argue. That he did. But is it a lack of institutional control? Uh, were they were they not cooperative? That's another thing they said in this report, that they weren't cooperative in the investigation. There was also the redacted stuff in the, uh, they said an assistant coach's uh, hard drive had been basically erased. Who are they alluding to? They're alluding to Mike Miller, the former coach, assistant coach there. You know, I don't know about those things. But it still really bothers me that they're trying to connect what he gave that money to the school yeah. years ago as it now being a booster when he's become the head coach of the team. I think that shouldn't even be considered. Once you become the head coach of the head coach, forget about being a booster. Do you think the NCAA is too big now? Do you think these big schools will start pulling away from the NCAA? And, like they will be like a def, de, de, another governing body. They've been too big for a long time. Yeah. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows. It. Now, Will they pull away? It, it almost feels like they've started to pull away. Remember, with the college football playoff, they don't have to deal with the NCAA. They're not dealing with the NCAA, basically. They're, college football playoff is deciding how many teams they want, when they play, who qualifies. The NCAA doesn't have a say in that. That's that's all the college football playoff. So I would say, yes, the the, the way they're going, the direction they're going in is, is to lessen the power of the NCAA. Will they ever go away completely as an entity? I don't know. But something has to be in its place, right? right. There has to be something there, but it doesn't have to be something that, that wields the power that the NCAA has, has wielded for years. Yeah, it, it just seems that no matter what a school does, the NCAA will always be in control, you know, like of that school. 
because I think I remember reading something like a last year or something like that where a couple of schools were talking about like leaving the NCAA, but then they yeah. were like, well, who are we going to play? Because we have to play all the other teams are in the NCAA still like, or whatever, you know? Yeah, it's 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 a little bit complicated, but I, I think if they can prove that the NCAA oversteps their boundaries a lot of times, even though there is the need for a governing body, then I think they could probably lessen the power of the NCAA. And, you know, this NIL thing was kind of forced down their throat. I don't think the NCAA wanted to do it, but they had to. That's why there hasn't been any strict rules in place for how to run the thing, because the, the schools certainly, you know, they weren't real excited about it, but they knew that's the direction they had to go in with these athletes, with these student athletes. So, yeah, I think the, it's uh, antiquated, you know, to a certain extent, the NCAA. They have to fix it or they have to change it. They have to, you know, change, change who runs the show in, in, in uh, collegiate amateur sports. So is it still three years for college football they have to play? Mm -hmm. And is basketball still one year? Or can yeah. they go right out of high school back again? Well, they create the one-year thing. They brought that back, what, like 10 years ago or something like that? Yeah. You, you gotta, well, you got to think about it, right? LeBron James was able to go right to the NBA. He's been around for a long time, so obviously after LeBron James. But it's it's been a while now since they've had the one year. Three years for football. Three years for – well, baseball, you can go right out of high school. Or if you say no to being drafted, like you're drafted down in, in like 20th in the 20th round. You say no, you go back. Now you're committed for three years. So it's it's weird it's because every sport has different rules, right? Football, it's basically you're not big and strong enough and physical enough to play the game right out of high school. So you're going to have to do three years. Basketball, it was, no, you're ready to go. Physically, you're ready to go. But then I don't know why they, they changed it back uh, to having a year. Baseball is one of those deals, again, where it's all right if you're good enough and you feel like you've been drafted high enough, you can go. But if not, now you're committed for three years, which, again, doesn't make any sense to me. But that's what it is. That's the rule. Do you think the three years in the NFL will change? I mean, uh, yeah, for football will change because, you know, now the athletes that are playing in college are the size of, you know, houses, and they're fast and big. <laughs> and, yeah, granted, they're not as big as the pros in the NFL. Like, do you think they'd be like, maybe like maybe two years or something like that eventually? No, I think it'll stay three years. But I do believe that we will eventually get the the basketball rule changed to where they'll allow kids to come right out of high school. I think that'll change back. I don't think the I don't think football will change at all. I think it'll stay three years. Does that hurt basketball though? Because say like Which, LeBron would have went to like a college instead of just going to the NBA. Well, it, it just delays that player from going to the association for a year yeah, because he'd probably be a one and done. And you could say it helps college basketball because you would have a great player like LeBron for at least a year. Mm. So I think, I think having the one year benefits college. I don't think it hurts the NBA, but I do believe after a while, and they've done it now for a long time, that eventually they're going to say, you know what? We, we we're preventing these kids. They'll probably be, they'll probably end up being some like suit, right? to allow these kids to be able to go right to the NBA right out of school. But that's the NBA's decision, mm -hmm. right? The NBA can do what they want. Uh, they're not part of the government. They're not told they're not part of uh, the college or NCAA system. So they could do what they want. But I would think that after a while, you're going to be like, you know, let's give these kids the chance to go play in the NBA right away. If they sink, they sink. If not, that's, that's fantastic for them. So 
I think that will change. But what it does right now, to answer your question, is it benefits college to have those kids there for at least a year. Can you settle the debate between LeBron and Jordan? Yeah. Jordan. <laughs> okay. So me and Tony asked me that. He was like, what are you talking about? And I said, Jordan. I was like, Jordan, of course, Jordan. And he's like, dude, think about it like this. The players, those the players he Jordan was playing against aren't as big as the guys that LeBron and them are playing against. Like it was a different body size they were going against. Do you think Jordan would dominate in the NBA today? Yes. You okay. Yeah. Here's the other thing, Raul. The, yeah, the players today are in better shape for the most part. We're talking in general. Yeah. Sure. Physical. Well, how can we say they're more physical? They don't play that type of game. The NBA is not a physical game anymore. When Jordan played, if he went down the lane, he was either going to dunk on you or you're going to put him on his ass. Like the bad boys, whatever. The what? Wasn't it the bad boys that used to knock him down all the time? Oh, Detroit. yeah. Detroit. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why a guy like Iverson was so good for being as small as he was, pound for pound, maybe the best player ever in the game. Well, today, it's not that these guys are soft. The game is soft. They don't allow them to play the physical defense that they played before. I'm not saying you put a guy in the hospital, but you're sort of like, I'll be honest with you. I am surprised that they're not knocking down Ja. John's going in that paint. He's dunking on people. I mean, he is embarrassing people and their families. I mean, you have to put him in his place. Yeah. Don't you? But nobody does. Maybe in, in the playoffs. And in fact, I think in the playoffs, it will, it will heat, up, heat up, excuse me, with the uh, the physicality. But it'll never be what it was when Jordan played. So LeBron's a freak. I understand that. And he'll probably have every single record by the time he retires. But MJ's still my guy. <laughs> it's like, you know, also in football, you know, there's rules set up now to protect the quarterback, protect the blind side pl- player, like, you know, defensive player rule and stuff like that. Like, and back, like, say, back in the 90s or even early 2000s, man, it was it was different then. Like, the game was definitely played harder. Like, those oh, these guys were going out there to kill each other. Like, hurt them as much as they could each play. And now it's kind of like, hey, man, you're you making a living just like I'm making a living. You know, like, hey, I'm not going to close. There's... Too much, I don't want to say softness. There's too much lovey-dovey. There's too much hugging and kissing and embracing. W- what happened in the days of, man, you just wanted to you know, put a fork in some dude's eye, man, and win the game. I don't mean that literally, but of course you know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. It's like you didn't talk to the guys before the game. In fact, most of the guys didn't talk after the game. You may have sh- uh, shook somebody's hands after the series was over, but now it's just, wow, it's just too crazy. <laughs> and I don't mind respect for each other. But on the court or on the field, there should never be respect for each other. I am old school mentality, man. You go out there to win 100%. If you don't win, you better you better be in a bad mood for a week until you play again or a few days until you play again. But that's not the case now. They make so much money. It's on to the next thing. It's well, watched, different. Did you watch it? Oh, I'm sorry. What were you saying? No, I'm just saying, do you guys notice that? I mean, it's, it's a for, different game. It's for sure. Yeah, it's all different. And it's like because, you know, and some, uh, some of the players are retiring after, like NFL, they're retiring after their first big contract, taking all the sure. money they made and say, hey, you know, we not, I'm not going to try to get hurt. I'm not going to try to get CTE. I'm not, you know, I'm healthy. Right. Let me go out on top, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Because like, um, what's his name? Um, Marshawn Lynch, he didn't spend a dollar. I needed to have Gronk of any play, uh, any of the money he earned in the NFL is all endorsement stuff they were that they spent. 
perfect example was, and there's there's many good examples of this, but Patrick Willis out of Ole Miss, who became mm-hmm. one of the great linebackers in the NFL with the 49ers. He retired young. He made his money. He obviously, for all the reasons you just said, you know, didn't want to continue to get banged up and you know, crippled the rest of his life. God forbid CTE. He got out of there early. There's a number of guys. I mean, yesterday, heck, yesterday Memphis announced there was an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman who just retired because medically they just d- didn't want to go on. They just couldn't physically go on. They both retired college. So 20 year there are old. a lot of football. Yeah. What's that? I was like, this kid's at 20, like, you know, 2021 20, at the oldest. I mean, there's, there's other things in, in life, you know, not just football, basketball, whatever the sport is you play, you have to think about that for your future. So there are, there are many now that look at that other option as opposed to just going through and, you know, physically not able to play and getting hurt even worse. Did you watch the last dance? I did. What'd you think about Jordan, how he creates enemies in his head? I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch it? I haven't watched it oh, yet. It's Uh-oh. good, man. It's really good. Oh, it's great because it's it's sort of what Ja does for the Grizzlies, right? If you can put anything on your shoulder as a chip, mm-hmm. right? That's exactly what he does. We, we, you, 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 hey, I remember somebody looked funny at me one time. I'm using you know, it. Inspires them. It, not that they're not already inspired because MJ certainly. As was as competitive as there was an athlete, and Jaws too, but there's always that extra incentive, and whatever it is, they use it. They they can have a thousand compliments, and one person is says something that's not complimentary. Mm-hmm. They will use that to fuel the fire. Mm-hmm. MJ was able to do that. I I love that about Michael Jordan. I I learned more about that. I thought I, I knew a lot about MJ, but I learned an awful lot from the last dance. Yeah. What do you think about Scottie Pippen like shitting on him now? Do you think he was mad because he was always in the shadow? It, it appears that way, right? I mean, yeah. it appears that, that way now. They They seem to be Great comrades on the court. You know, they played off each other. It certainly worked. And then after, I didn't know there was any animosity. I didn't know that till now. Yeah. Really, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I was a little surprised with that. Well, I did I did, I did. did hear about that, like, from people talking about it, like, on Facebook and stuff like that, you know, when the show came out. Yeah, he's always digging, like, saying, like, LeBron is better and yeah. all this other stuff. But it's very odd, <laughs> man. Scotty Pippen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, my buddy, who's a sports agent in Nashville, is really good friends with Pippen. Mm-hmm. Pippen was was in his wedding party and all that. So, you know, he would always talk to me about Pippen over the years. It was always, obviously, it was positive stuff. So yeah. I, I was a little surprised because I only heard, I didn't know Pippen. I only heard through him about Pippen. So when I heard that this guy had uh, animosity built up against Michael and at times seemed to be like, he seemed to be like one of those guys where like you have a best friend and you're jealous of the best friend, even though it is your best friend. Mm-hmm. And then you'll do something to, uh, you'll rat on the guy or, or you'll do something where, uh, it hurts him because you're so jealous. Mm-hmm. That's what it, I came out of that thinking, wow, Pippen's really, really jealous of Jordan, but it never felt that way when it was actually happening, when they were winning all those championships, because we're not, we're not, uh, you know, we're not able to get that inside the locker room vibe because we're not there. But you never heard the stuff. Like maybe if they, these guys were playing today, 
maybe would, we would hear more stories because of social media. Mm-hmm. But back then, you just never heard anything. Yeah. I thought it was so funny when uh, at the All-Star game, somebody took a picture in the locker room and the guys were playing craps, you know? They're like, oh, my God, they're doing illegal gambling in the I'm like, dude, what are you? Basketball players have been doing this. I mean, everyone does this. This is part of sports, man. What are you talking about? Like, they, 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 do it, they do it on the planes, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And it's like the guy that uh, bet on the, the Falcons player. That was betting on the games that he was playing in. Remember, just and he lost. Oh, they, they, yeah, they suspended him for the whole year. It's like he's like, I'll, I'll, I don't have a gambling problem. I only spent fifteen hundred dollars. Like, yeah, and somebody goes, yeah, that fifteen hundred cost you ten million. So I was like, damn, wow. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a whole different topic. Yeah, you you cannot be and and it's it's interesting in the National Football League, they allow players to gamble on other sports. So if you are really one of those guys that you have to have action and stuff like that. You can bet on other sports. They they allow you to do that. You can't do it on the sport you're playing in. And he did that. I don't care if it was five hours or fifty yeah. dollars. Is that what Pete Rose was doing? Pete Rose was was gambling on baseball. Yes, but you know, remember, baseball is so old school that the first thing they say and the first thing they show in their rules in the clubhouses is you don't gamble on baseball. Mm. And Pete gambled on baseball. I love Pete Rose. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I think the Hall of Fame is incomplete without Pete Rose in there. Yeah. I don't care, you know, who's, what these people have done. Just like O.J. Simpson. I know he was in the NFL Hall of Fame. I don't know if they ever took him out, mm-hmm. but he should be in there. I, again, what happened in the other parts of your life is not my concern. My concern is when I walk around, I want to see the best in Canton and I want to see the best in Cooperstown. So Pete Rose not being there bothers me, but that is a, that is a sore subject. Whenever I bring that up, and it seems like you know, at least once a year, it's brought up on my radio show. People are polarized with that one because again, Pete Rose, it's baseball, it's the cardinal sin, it's the one thing you can't do. You could beat your wife, you can take drugs, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so crazy, right? Yeah, but with but with the NFL, Ridley should be happy that it's a one-year ban and not a lifetime ban. And Pete Rose has been ostracized. I mean, he is he's basically a mutant, right? He mm. He's hated now. He's the all-time hits leader, for goodness sakes. Wow. Yeah. Do you think Ichiro would have passed him if he played all his career in, in major leagues? I don't think so. I don't think so because Ichiro, when he – well, you're saying if he played – okay, so you're going back, not starting when he started. He yeah. Started like, early, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't. Know. I, I, I don't. I don't. I think. I think they. How many years? I think he played like what six or seven years in Japan, right? Yeah. Or something. So I was. Yeah. I so like. It'd be seven, six or seven years that he would play here. I don't know. I'd have to look at their average hits per year. He yeah. ends up over four thousand hits for goodness sakes. Yeah, it's like forty two hundred and something. But that's a good. That's a really good. That's a really good question. I'm not sure. Yeah. So what? What is your most Memphis moment? Ever like you know what you've uh, called or whatever or seen? Let's see. Gosh, I've had so many of them. Uh, well, of course, I was there for the national championship game against Kansas, right there on the uh, on the sideline, the media section down in San Antonio, watching Chalmers hit that shot. I was like right across. And I could see the arc of that shot, and I knew it was in. Damn. And went in, it, it deflated everybody, and then eventually 
you know, losing in overtime, you know, so, so to be there for the euphoria of everything they had done all tournament long up until that moment, which took the air out of the sails of everybody and ended up not winning the national championship. It was one of those deals where it's like, gosh, Memphis, we're always the bridesmaid. Like, can't we break through and win the title? We were so close. Those were the years when I was traveling with the Tigers. I did so many years where I did all the coaches shows on television, plus all the play by play. So I was with all those Calipari years. I was flying with them. And, you know, the stories I could tell that I can't. (laughs) (laughs) I could write a book about that stuff. But, you know, that was that was a very Memphis moment. Uh, I I love the fact that I was able to break the uh, Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis story here in Memphis. And uh, we were we were right there for the. The coverage, uh, myself and Michael Eaves, who's a guy on ESPN right now, we were out there. We did uh, – it was just fun being able to to do a week's worth of coverage of that fight. And then, of course, for the fight itself, uh, it was a Showtime HBO collaborative effort to put on the, sh- the, the fights. There are many that, that don't know this, but the fight started at like 3.30 in the afternoon. They had 15 fights before they even got to the main event. Wow. So I was, this was before, this was before I actually got into calling blow by blow for, for, for uh, boxing and then on to the MMA. So I was the ring announcer. I wasn't the ring announcer for Tyson and Lewis. That was buffer. Okay. But I was the ring announcer. I was the ring announcer for like all the other fights leading up to it. A little guy named Matty Pacquiao was in there. They, they had some guys that turned out to be all right. Wow. So I did the uh, the fight. I did the uh, ring announcing. So I had uh, I had a ball there, but I was there for I was there for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I remember getting paid just a little bit for, for Showtime. I was, very, <laughs> I was very upset. Showtime or HBO? I forget who actually gave me the check. And I was like, really? This is all I got. But I was I was delighted to be a part of it. The other thing they told me to do was, Greg, can you go around and Kind of, this is before uh, before the main event. Go around and kind of see who the star stars are here. You know, all the celebrities that are here. Can you like? I can't believe they didn't have anybody doing this stuff. This is before again social media. They would have everybody's photo out there. So I was walking around where I was sitting. I was sitting right inside the ring. So I'm, that's where my seat was. And so I'm looking around behind me. Who was all there? It was all big stars after big stars. But there were so many other big stars that were all in the arena. It's at the pyramid. So I only knew so many. After after the fact, I found out that there were so many other guys there. But I saw uh, DiCaprio, Tobey Maguire, uh, all these guys. So they made me announce those guys. So I announced their names, like who was here and all that, you know, from from stage and screen and all that. So that was a really cool moment for me to be able to do that. And so then I, uh, so then I was doing the ring announcing, and I remember so Buffer comes in, and you know, the get, uh, let's get ready to rumble guy. And I remember him like kind of fixing my bow tie. You know, I'm not used to wearing these tuxedos <laughs> and fixing my bow tie. And so we're getting ready for the Tyson Lewis fight. And again, there's a cage around and I'm inside the cage. So I am right, like right there. And so the fight's over and Tyson gets his ass kicked. And so Tyson comes out of the ring and he comes around, comes around, comes around right in front of me. I guess behind me was, I don't know if it was his, his aunt or somebody, somebody related to him. And Tyson, like, reaches over me like I'm not even there. Sweaty body Tyson walked, like, over to hug this lady 
and I'm right here with his chest in my face. <laughs> with all like, like I was not even a person. It was the weirdest feeling I ever had. Just like, like I'm nobody here. And he hugged the person behind me. Luckily he wasn't like in a real bad mood after just getting beat. Uh, and then he walked off, but I'm trying to remember all the, all the stars that were behind me. Like, uh, so I know oh. LL Cool J was here. I remember seeing mm-hmm. that, and like it's just crazy that Memphis had that. LL Cool J ended up coming to one five two that night after, like, because they remember we were showing the fight, and uh, they ended up coming to like some of the people came on the third floor. It was fun. It was a cool night. I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. I mean, there were so many behind me. Like, I want to say. I want to say Samuel L. Jackson, but I don't remember if it, it was Samuel L. Jackson. There was a lot of celebrities behind me, but that was, but they were all sprinkled throughout the whole. I remember uh, right in the lower bowl, there was like three or four, like of the biggest names of pro wrestling. Mm. Like some of the, like the big names. I don't know. I'm not into the pro wrestling thing, but I want to say like the, uh, I don't even know if Triple H was going at that time or whatever, but all those guys were there. So they were there, just a group of those guys. And, movie stars throughout of course sports figures galore from whoever i didn't even realize that you know now you're talking about it like that was i i knew it was a big fight at the time when it was happening you know but yeah. now just listening to what greg is saying like damn it was really fucking big like you well, know, i like, remember world championship it was a heavyweight world championship fight. yeah yeah because i remember that after this the fight happened obviously but there's two things that stick out about that fight was the press conference where Tyson went off on like a, some reporter where he's talking about he wanted to F him till you love me. That's Greg. <laughs> <laughs> he hugged him. <laughs> and then uh, the, Dave Chappelle was there that night before he was Dave Chappelle. Obviously, he was like doing like interviews of people that day. at that oh, event. Also, oh, like he was like a beat guy, like just like, yeah, walking around like a, if you go on YouTube, you find like Dave Chappelle uh, Tyson fight. And he was there for that. Damn. That's cool. Oh, I did. I don't even know that. I'm trying to I'm trying to look up as we talk here because I've seen lists before and it's probably not even an exhaustive list. It's probably just who they know for sure was there. And then there was probably some people that were there that didn't even want to be have any attention. Now I know DiCaprio didn't want to have any int- attention, but he was he was right there. He was so obvious. Because this is what uh, that was like right after two, uh, right? Titanic. Yeah, two thousand one. Because yeah. Titanic came out in ninety eight, ninety seven or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was right before. It was like the last stages of the pyramid. And then mm-hmm. all, after that, we had FedEx Forum going up. And obviously, the, the Grizzlies played at the pyramid to start. And then oh, they yeah. would go to built. And that's where I interviewed Michael Jordan. He was with Washington. Mm. Do you think? He was with the Wizards. Do you think they were going to do something with the, the Coliseum? Oh, gosh. I mean, that thing, it just seems like every time I, like, you know, they always talk about doing something with it or this and that. And it just seems like they, I think you just need to go and level it, man, and just build something new. Like because that that Memphis sportsplex thing they're building over there. One, two things. One, that's gonna be cool as hell. And two, they are building that thing fast. Because every time I go by there, it seems like there's more done, like a whole lot more done. Yeah, that was the. That's the Liberty Park. Yeah, you're talking about park. So that's cool. As far as the Coliseum is concerned, that they tried. They've talked about a brewery. They've talked about other stuff. They have to. They have to level it or set it up in the space where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> the 
like a spaceship, right? But look, I know there's I know there's a lot of history there. I know the Beatles played there. I know that's where Andy Kaufman and, and Jerry Lawler had yeah. their thing. Look, but you know what? The memories don't leave your brain once the building's knocked down. If yeah. you were, you know, I wasn't there for those events, but level the thing. There's other things you can do with that area. It's an eyesore. It's a decaying arena that's just sitting there. Why we, not just us in this community, but in other communities, like have to have so much, like we hold on to the past so much that like we feel if we knock down a building, you've lost the the, the past. Now, yeah. certainly, there's certainly places that you, you keep and you would never, ever think about knocking down places with historical value. Uh, for example, the Lorraine Motel, right? We would never think of that, but the historical value of that. But all that is is an arena. Yeah. If we kept every arena in the country that had great artists there at one time, every arena would still be up. Mm. But you have to make room for other things. I, I don't understand that. I really don't. Yes. And the talk about resurrecting it into something else, I've heard those conversations too. They've always fallen on deaf ears. But like, it seems like to resurrect it to be a, like, let's say, let's say 50 million, like it could definitely build something new for like maybe 150 million. Like, so, you know, a third, a little, you know, just double the cost or, yeah, but I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll spend that type of money for that. I, I don't know. You would think that would be in the in the plans for Liberty Park. Yeah, but it wasn't. That's why you know when. So I when I saw the picture online, I was like, oh, cool, because you know you see the Liberty Bowl. I mean the um, the Coliseum back there. You know, and you just assume it's going to be part of the resurrection of the area, but it clearly right. wasn't because it's still there and not anything's happening with it. Exactly. Well, the so Tigers. I don't, I don't, oh, I'm sorry. No, what were we going to say? Will the Tigers get a better stadium, do you think, eventually? Or do you think they'll just stay no. at the Liberty Bowl? No, there's talk about, and there's been talk for a year and a half now, about further renovations to the stadium, which is now, I guess, the um, what's the new the new sponsor, the bank? Um, oh, gosh, what's the new bank's? Uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's, uh, I want to say it's out of Little Rock now. Uh, I'm going losing my mind here anyway it'll come to me but they have a new name for the for the stadium which will start this fall with mm. the team anyway i think what they'll do is they'll eventually figure out a deal with the city to renovate continue renovations they got to do a whole new press box they got to figure that out there's other things they have to do they've already put money into it i think they'll continue to do so i do not see a new stadium and if it's a new stadium it would have to be an on-campus stadium which never every time that conversation comes up that that kind of gets squash pretty quickly so i i just think they'll continue with liberty Bowl stadium it's still a it's still a nice play to place to watch football like if you're in the stadium it's a nice place to watch football but you feel like you're in the 70s still <laughs> like the course is old and yeah. the concrete is ugly and, you know the surrounding area is not the greatest with the train tracks and all that junk over there so i i don't know how they get spruced up that much but they've done a nice job the school has they added some some terraces uh, the past couple of years where they have these all inclusives where they go up there and watch the game, drink and eat and all that. So the school's doing what they can do to try to induce and entice rather people to come to these games. I think they've done a real nice job. Football, obviously the program has gotten a lot better over the last seven or eight years. It's really on the move upwards and onwards. I remember when we had rips here, it was like, man, what? And we were like one in 10, like one in, 12 well you know we're always losing big big losing records but that's when we used to tailgate at toby park and we would go to the game 
You couldn't buy alcohol at the game then. Oh, okay. So, like, you know, it's to this day, people still bring in bottles, right? Because last time I went to a Memphis game, I took a bottle in. Like, you, you, you just take, you just put it on your little hip right here, you know, make your belt tight. They're not going to, they just check your belt line, He's you know. A degenerate. <laughs> but, this, you know, you do that and you take, you know, and you, you, you share one bottle with your friends and you have fun. <laughs> I'm assuming you guys never done that. No. <laughs> no. But we used to uh, back in back in college at the University of Maryland, we used to have the flasks and we would, you know, obviously put them down our pants and it would have the uh what would we drink back then? We would drink like Jack and Coke and things of that nature. So, you know, everybody found a way to get that stuff in there. <laughs> but like when I was really fat, I would just put it in my front. Like I would put it like by where my, like, you know, where your belt loop is, you know, your belt buckle. Yeah. I'll just put it in there. And, Ain't nobody going to make me lift my belly up. <laughs> 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 so like I would, I remember one year, John, my buddy John was like, hey, take my bottle with me. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to search you. I'm like, all right. So I had like two fucking fifths of uh, Jack uh, Jack on me. I was like, oh, wow. maybe it wasn't fifths, it was like the pints, like the one before the fifth you know and like yeah sure enough they're like sir sir i'm like yeah like go on i'm like oh okay <laughs> like i was just like kind of walking you know and i always we always like whoever had the liquor walked separate from everybody else because if one of us got busted they'd probably alert like the other ones behind that you know when we're in line you know like oh they might it's because they've been you know obviously they're not paying attention like that but they might check the other people behind you i think assuming you're friends or whatever so well, that's that's happened. The sneaking in of the bottles for years and years. And <laughs> the problem, the problem is, I know where I come from in the Northeast with the um, if you went to a football game or even a baseball game, those bottles end up on the field. And that's mm, the problem. OK, but you hit an athlete, God forbid, with a bottle. Yeah, so that's why the move is to really get um, plastic stuff at the, at the stadiums. And then to make sure that people aren't able to do what Raul was able to do. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know, um, with with glass being so hard to get now for companies, uh, Jim Beam has put their liquor into plastic, all oh, really all, all sizes because they just can't they just can't get glass fast enough. Mm. Like the, it all comes from apparently it all comes from like couple of factories from China, like massive factories, you know, whatever. And like, even my company, Anheuser-Busch, they, we keep on running out of like ultra, we'll run out of ultra this week. Then we'll run out of Bud Light next week because they just can't send us enough fast enough. Cause they did the, uh, the, where they brew the beer. They just don't have enough glass. So Jim Beam has 100% made the move to plastic, but the liquor people are mad because the distributors are mad because they're not going to make the price cheaper for the consumer. Or them buying it from Jim Beam. So Jim Beam is going to make more money and it's going to be less. It, 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 it seems like it's going to cheapen the product, you know, because it's plastic now. Is glass that complicated where we can't make it in the United States? <laughs> I don't know. You know. Apparently not, because even aluminum, like we, we run out of cans sometimes. Even aluminum, um, they uh, we, we came on running out of that. We ran out of 12-pack Bud Light last summer for like three weeks. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So is Bud Light going to put plastic bottles eventually, do you think? They're going to have that problem with glass, too? Oh, so, yeah, we keep on running out of glass. But instead of making the move to plastic, you know, like yeah. for, our, for, like for our 32-ounce bottles and stuff like that, we're not we're – not, they're not – our six-pack glass is never going to become plastic six-pack. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're never going to do that because InBev has already sent emails to the distributorships that don't worry, that's not coming or anything like that. But the glass is just – it's like it's like crack right now, man. It's the hot thing on the market, and it's, it's I don't know, I don't know who deals the I don't know who's dealing it or who's buying it, and, but apparently somebody is holding <laughs> on to somebody is holding on to a lot of glass somewhere. 
Well, I'll tell you, I like, like if I have a, uh, I've never drank a beer out of a plastic. I can't, I, I don't think so. But, but if it's a soda, I prefer the plastic over the cans because the cans, sometimes you taste the aluminum that mm. I, for a beer, you know, I want a beer from certainly from uh, something that's on tap and in a big old mug that's frosted. That's my preference, but you know, I'll drink them out of the can. They don't taste as bad, but sodas a lot of times out of the cans don't taste good. I like them better in the plastic. I wonder if a beer would taste good in plastic. That's that's well. I've so Miller Coors puts their uh, sub premium brands in plastic forties, and they've been doing it for about ten years now, and it has complete it, it completely killed the sales of it. And they're never going back to glass. This was ten years ago they made the switch. Really, oh, and and, and the cons- and the consumer just doesn't like it out of the glass because it's like. You know, a glass forty is like you know big, right? Like it's and it, yeah. the, with with a the plastic, they can make it smaller, but just taller because they can mold. You know, obviously, you can mold the glass. However, but dude, it it just it doesn't even taste right. It just, Maybe it's a mental thing. No, because remember Hopper was saying that too. But he's we used to drink Crow forty five and steel. Mm. I don't know. That's weird, man. Like COVID's messed up a lot of stuff. You never thought, like, you would never think that you would run out of your bread and butter Bud Light, right, bottle, or Ultra bottle, because like when we went to when we went to um, Lafayette last summer, mm-hmm. like we got buckets, you know, and they brought us cans. Like, what the fuck? You don't have bottles? Like, you know, it, it was fine, but like it's just different seeing a can in a restaurant. You know, like you usually yeah. just see. Unless you're into haystack and Millington, you're gonna get a bunch of cans, you know. Like, but I don't know. It so seems like it's a, it seems like it's a cop out answer for everything. COVID. You were just bringing up, you know, <laughs> it's, we use that for every single thing. Every well, it's because they they couldn't deliver it because of COVID. Yeah, or they couldn't do this because of COVID. It's like, all right, I know some things certainly are affected by it, but let's let's stop now. <laughs> so, get, get your fun so okay. a couple of the people that so a couple of the guys that I work with, this is funny, like. Oh, can you go? Can you go to the warehouse and grab me uh, ten cases of Modelo? Oh, we're not allowed to go to the warehouse because of COVID, which was true in twenty twenty, you know, but it's not true anymore. But like, it's like, man, people are still using that. Like, I just, I'm just like, what? No, <laughs> what? New phone? Oh, yeah, yeah. New phone? Who is? <laughs> people who now have become accustomed to working at home, they don't want to go back to the office. Oh, like Tony? Oh, I told him I'm not going back. Like he works, you know, at his office is set up right there and stuff, and like. I, if my job could become like an at-home job where you just answer the phone and like, you know, like do the orders on the phone and stuff, like, dude, I would love to right. do that and just be at home all day and lounge around and whatever he does. I'm not really sure what the fuck he okay, does. I actually do more work now than before. <laughs> I literally do more work now at home than I well, did. Well, it's when funny I was in because office. even Brad said that. Remember, yeah. he said that when they moved to FedEx offices into like their homes, you know, like he does twice as much work than he was doing at the office. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's weird because time. maybe at the office you're you know you'll you're around other people, so you might like talk to somebody here or do something here. But at home, you would think, well, maybe you'll drift over to the television. <laughs> that, that 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 would be me. I'd be like, oh shit, my show's on. Rugged Yesless is on. Here we go. But exactly. At, so, how long have you been doing um, your sports talk show? Did you have your? So my current show is the longest running show in Memphis. It's seventeen years. Wow! Wow! It's Sports 56, right? Before the, what's that? It's called Sports 56, right? Yeah, so mm-hmm. so it's yeah, the show is called the show started in 2005 and for 16 years we were in the midday hours, 10 to 1. It was called Sports 56 Middays. 
But now, since September, we've moved to the morning drive to help out the station. I hate getting up that early, but that's what I'm on from 7 to 10, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. we got a huge audience, and it's called it's just Sports 56 Mornings instead of Sports 56 Middays with Greg and Eli, my partner Eli Savoy. We have been together for 17 years doing this show five days a week, by far the longest-running sports show in the city. And uh, now it's really good because, again, morning drive, bigger audience, really no local competition until 9 o'clock. From seven to nine, we're all it's local, or you want to watch, listen to something national, and all they're going to talk about is Tom Brady or, or the NFL. Yeah. They're not going to talk about local stuff, especially like tomorrow morning, lined up for like what should be a great show with uh, Memphis Talk with everything that went on yesterday. We talked about earlier, so that's all good. The worst part is is now changing my sleeping habits and trying to get sleep to get up early. It's it's really hard. It's really really hard for me. Well, especially yeah, especially if you're calling a game. And you're going again and leaving the game at 10 30, 11, you know, by the time you leave your job, like you have to be in bed as soon as you get home to wake up at what, exactly. four? Yeah. And you can't, and you can't get in bed that early because you're not, you're not tired. You're not ready to go. You're still jacked up from having called a game. Yeah. And yeah. So it is a, I am losing a lot of sleep. So it's, it's tough. I mean, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I hate to tell you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I need my beauty sleep. So yeah, I used to I probably got I probably got seven and a half consistent when I was on middays. Now I'm probably getting five. It's 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 tough. It really is. But I love it. I love I love the show. I love the response we get. We got great guests. We got a big audience. So that's pretty cool. Seventeen years. That is wild. You, you guys remind me of Tony Kornheiser and uh, Michael Wilborn. You know, it's funny. BTI, I, man. <laughs> there's been a number of people who have said that to us. Uh, that, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, because we, we go at it. We go at it because though that those guys have been on ESPN now, man, I think it's like 2002 or something like that, maybe. Yeah, when I when I went to school, when I went to school at Maryland, they were both very prominent sports writers at the Washington Post, mm. so I'd read their stuff all the time. They were there for years and years, but yeah, they're, they're very good. But we get we get that comparison a lot, especially because we. We have you have to have a relationship to do 17 years with the same dude, yet we're at each other's throats all the time on different topics. So you know, Wilbon and, and, and Kornheiser will will have fun and they'll go at it sometimes as well. So yeah, I, I enjoy that part. We are we are certainly not a let's pat each other on the back type show. We are disagreeing on a lot of things and it's not purposely done. It's just yeah, we, we have an opinion with a lot of things. You think uh St. Peter's is gonna win today? I, I would like so. to see him win. I would like to see him win the whole damn thing. That'd be pretty cool. Be a great story. I picked. I actually picked them in their last game. Uh, I just felt that they were going to beat Murray State two games ago, but I, I don't have a good vibe about that one today. I don't have a good vibe. I'm, I'm rooting for him. There's no question. I'm rooting for him. But it's interesting that we've had all these surprises. We've had three number ones knocked out early, mm-hmm. and when it's all said and done, we may have. We already know we have Duke, Villanova. Could end up with Kansas and North Carolina. So you're talking about blue bloods across the board when it didn't look like we would have that. Now St. Peter's could ruin the uh, the party if Miami's a 10 seed. But if Miami wins, Carolina wins, Duke's already in, you're talking about three of the four being ACC teams. Yeah. ACC, much maligned going into the tournament. But who were the team? Who were the conferences that failed? The Big Ten got nine teams in. None of them. Maybe Elite. Nine teams in. The SEC was supposed to be pretty good. 
Arkansas got the farthest. They got to the elite or got to the uh, the elite eight game, but lost yesterday. But it's the ACC, the old ACC, which was always good for all those years. Could have three. Do you think? Um, do you think the uh, Duke is going to win it all for John Kay's last year? That'd be a good story too. Can you imagine the thirty on thirty on that? Like, well, yes. What what a great story that would be if they play North Carolina, right? If oh a, yeah, dang yeah. That's it. A, wouldn't be in, it. Wouldn't be in the finals. It would be in the semis, I think. So North Carolina wins today. I think they play Duke. I, I, I threw my bracket away. I ripped it up so early. Terrible <laughs> picks. I forget how the bracket comes out, but I think they would play each other in the semis. Uh, but I don't. I don't think Duke's going to win it. I don't think North Carolina is going to win it. I'd probably lean toward probably lean toward Villanova. It's just something about having five veteran players, and I think the greatest coach there is in basketball today, Jay Wright. So I'd probably lean toward Villanova. I mean, I've seen Duke throw up some duds this year. I've seen North Carolina throw up duds. North Carolina was a bubble team down the stretch. And then they Dang. beat Duke. They had a big over Duke. Remember when Coach K's last home game was – at uh, Cameron Indoor, North Carolina beat them. That changed the whole thing, the whole outlook, the outlook for North Carolina. They were a bubble team. They're, they're, for a while there, people wondered if they were going to get in the tournament, but they have turned it around. So, yeah, it's the Blue Bloods rising to the top, but it's been a heck of a tournament. It's been fun. A lot of, a lot of upsets. St. Peter's would be – it's already a great story. It would be an amazing story to reach the Final Four. And you're right, if Coach K wins it all, that's the 30 for 30. Yeah, that's gonna be really good. I mean, either way, he's he's the best, you know, that's ever done it. But uh, um, yeah, I want to see, I want to see uh, St. Peter's beat um, North Carolina, and then I want to see Duke beat everybody, and then he can retire out. So you want K to win it? Mm-hmm. You love Disney right. movies, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is a Cinderella. I mean, St. Peter's is a Cinderella, yeah. But dude, did you? Uh, you did. I know you know this, but like. How crazy were those ticket prices on the resale for Coach K's last game? Oh, yeah. What were they well, going such for? A- like, base, just to get in was like nine grand ticket. Like, it was, <laughs> it was like the Super Bowl, but it wasn't like on that level. But, like, wow. dude, it was like crazy, man. Like, it's such a small arena. First of all, so many. And then you have the historical value of it. So that's going to raise the prices, right? Every time you have something like that, especially when the, the supply is limited. Yeah. Kind of like Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> Domestic beer shortages. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you coming on today, man, and uh, sharing a lot with us. But we usually end the podcast um, with our guests by asking them, like, what what would you, what advice do you have for people? Like, it could be anything. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure talking with you guys. So when I do talks, and I haven't done a lot lately, but when with the COVID and everything, when I do talks, I always talk about um, to be successful, I think, not only in my business, but in life, uh, you, you have to have uh, great communication and organization. I, I think those are the two most important things. You have to be able to communicate with people around you who's ever in your inner circle, and you have to be organized with what you're going to do. You need, a, you need a structure. You need a game plan. So you got to be organized from the, from the get-go. Um, I'm pretty anal you don't have to be that way but i i have things structured i know what i want to do my shows i know which topics i want to get to 
I know how much time I want to spend. I know which guests I want to set up. And I communicate that. I communicate that with my co-host so he knows what's going on. I communicate it in every walk of life. Uh, I make sure, you know, sometimes there is miscommunication, but even like with my family, with my wife, with my kids, uh, with my grandchildren, you know, you want to have that communication. You're, you're all getting together and you're, okay, we're going to meet here. Well, everybody's talking and yapping and all that. I, I'm the guy that says, listen, listen up. We're going to meet here at this time, four o'clock. This, everybody get it? Everybody understand that? Okay. I don't want to sound like a drill sergeant, but I think that's, you have to be, right. you have to communicate. What you're trying to do, you have to commit. And to be that way, you have to have organization. You can't be willy-nilly about what you want to do, whatever it may be. So they're, they're the two things that I structure my uh, my talks on is communication and organization. That's the way I've always run my career and my life. And I want to continue to do that because I think you'll have a lot of success if you do so. For sure, man. That's really good advice. Well, appreciate it, brother. Thank you, guys. Yeah, appreciate Take it, care. man. Thank you for your time. Okay. Have a good rest of the weekend. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.